All right, and we are live. All right, man. Here we are. Um, we're going to eat a little crow. Well, probably not a whole crow. Maybe just a, b a bony drumstick. Um, anyhow, thanks for uh, for getting this lined up, Jason. You are quite welcome. Looks like everything is working, so we are good to go as far as I know. You know, can I – do we actually have the ability to share screen? Um, from or is that, or the could I, uh, from could Skype? I, yeah, could I do a Skype share? I think I can do that if I add on. Let me try uh, something. Maybe maybe we shouldn't screw with it. We'll just do this. Chat room, I was is gonna... everyone hearing us okay? Let's make sure of that before anything. I think I, I might know how to do it. Is everyone in the chat hearing us okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for a response. Hello, chat room. I see you're building quick. Is everybody hearing us okay? I don't see any response, so sounds good. Sounds good, loud and loud clear. And clear. Okay. All right, we're there. There's just a lag. Yeah, there's a lag. So, all right, let me. Let, uh... Let's let's not let's not bother with the live stream. I can describe <laughs> the massive mistake I made, and I should put a thanks out to Avari, S Frog, some of the regulars in the forum. I'd already moved on. Um, having convinced myself that the video, video wasn't high enough quality to ever matter, but it does matter when, when you miss by as far as I did. Did we just lose everything? No. Share your screen. I'm going to see if this works. I just added the NDI source, which is pulling from your channel, or from your Skype source. All right. Let me, let me, well, just give me just a second then. Um, oh, Adam, you're funny. Ha ha, Mr. Thomas. Yeah, this might work. No sound. Echo. Echo on crow. Why is there an echo on crow? Still echoing on me? Oh, I know why. Because I added that NDI source. It sh that should go away now. Yeah, because it was doubled up. That should go away momentarily. But anyway, try sharing your screen. And I've, I've never tried that on this. So I've got it add <coughs> added on here. Oh, it's actually eight. Um, just give me a second here. I'm trying to get it set up. I'll sh I I think I've recreated how I made the mistake. Okay. Give me just a second here. All right, everybody, hold tight. We're figuring this out. Yeah, I got it. I can't screenshot from Stellarium. I'm actually getting a new computer system finally. Cool. But let me go Maybe. back to. Let me do that. All right. So, I'm going to share my screen out, and hopefully it will work. If not, there's one other thing I can try to see if it'll allow it or not. If not, we're just going to go with descriptions. All right. All right. So, I shared out my, my screen. Let's see if it transfers over. NDI source, properties... Skype Crow 777. Let's try that. Oh, there it says shared screen. Chat room, can you guys see? I've got Stellarium shared yes, out on my... Uh, it, it, right. There's just about a 10-second lag. Or all so, right, so, so let me let me go in. First of all, this is a my bad. I'm going to eat a little crow. Not a lot. Maybe just a bony drumstick. Um, but when you make a mistake of this magnitude, you got to man up and get right on it. Um, just to be clear, the clip I put out predictions I made, I'm not retracting any of that. Um, I've been in that area.
for years now, and I still think it's quite possible we can prove the moon is see-through. But associating the Mars clip as I did was a huge blunder. What you're looking at is what I saw roughly the morning um, that the clip was shot on the 18th. What you're seeing there, this is Mars. It's supposedly behind the moon. Now, I checked this twice, but here's the problem. Um, <laughs> I have this for Rhode Island, not Western Canada, and you can see it's 8 a.m. in the morning. Shouldn't be. I was going, according to the time I was told, was 1900 military time, and I thought, well, that's not right. And then I realized, oh, his camera's 12 hours off, which is a common occurrence, so it'd be 7 a.m. So I think it was 7.03 or 7.05 or something, and I saw something that looked like this, and I said, wow, that's beyond coincidence because um, this is Mars sitting there um, during the occultation. Well, to put it succinctly, none of this is right. I had the location wrong, and even now that I'm replicating it, it's an hour off and 3,000 miles away. So in short, there is zero possibility that um, – Hold on, let me stop sharing this. There is zero possibility that the clip I brought everyone's attention to was viewed in any way through the moon, and it gets worse. Um, I've been using scopes for so many years that I always have in my mind that an image could be flipped. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to someone in a chat room about paying attention to the image being flipped by a telescope prism. So the moon I was looking at was not even... You know, I'm saying look at a young moon or a new moon. It was none of those things. So I blew it in more ways than we can count. And there's really no making excuses for it. It's 100% my bad. But to get back to the point, um, all the predictions I'm making about trying to prove the moon is see-through at new or very young. In other words, right after it's new when there's a sliver, that all stands. Um, I've done years of research on that. Uh, it's unfortunate that I associated that poor gentleman's clip because I'm sure a lot of people will have stuff to say and I'm sure he doesn't want to <laughs> have to deal with it all, but it is what it is at this point. If nothing else, maybe it renews the conversation of these ideas that I think are important. So there's all that, Jason. So since we're here and we're doing this again, uh, I don't know if you're still meaning to share your screen, but I don't have Stellarium showing. It looks like you're just... No, I, I killed it. I just wanted to show... Um, what I did. I did it twice that morning thinking I was in Edmonton, Canada and thinking it was 703 or 705, something like that. And my instant reaction was, holy smokes, man, it's like right in the ballpark there. That's beyond coincidence. Um, as I was thinking, the quality of this video is never really going to prove anything either way. Nonetheless, it was a huge blunder on my part. All right. So like, like I said, well, since we're doing this, let's explain what, what, started all this and why we're doing this and just all that let's just go over everything from the beginning and be very clear about what we think and don't think here so on the morning of february 18th the gentleman in western canada stepped out i think on his balcony it was way below zero some people have told me it was like 20 below or something and he shot a very brief video that was kind of jiggly and uh not very well focused um, and it showed a little protrusion just beyond the Terminator or the shadow line on the moon, which, you know, I've shot the moon enough. You can see that. It looks like the, 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 the rim of a crater at times. But what got me was the color of it is exactly the color of Mars. Uh, Mars is often hard to focus. And it gets this bizarre kind of reddy orangey with a little blue in it quite often. 
Um, and it looked just like that. So I thought, well, this is interesting. So I called him on the phone and he seemed like a legit dude. He is a legit dude. Uh, and I asked him, can I have the timestamp off your camera? He told me 1900, as I mentioned, that's military time. He wasn't familiar with military time. I said, but it doesn't make sense. That would be seven o'clock in the evening. And then it dawned on me. I've set up cameras enough times that when you use 24 hour time or military time, if you're 12 hours off, that's what I thought was going on. So then I jumped in Stellarium, shifted it over to Edmonton, Canada. So that was my location, or I thought it was. Did a quick look, and it was right, like I just showed you, right in the ballpark. So then I shut it down, finished talking to him, got off the phone, looked up a couple things, opened Stellarium again, checked it again, and then I ran with it. And that's where everything went south. <laughs> because I, I shouldn't have run with everything. And by the way, I'd like to apologize to that guy because... When someone like me makes a stupid mistake like this, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things, and I'm pretty sure he'll have to endure some of it, and that's unfortunate. So I've looked at that. Uh, I know we talked to Dave Marsh about it, and he thinks it's a crater just kind of making a lighter reflection or something along those lines. That's kind of what it looks like to me, but the truth is the video uh, is, is so just not quite in focus and a little shit on the shaky side. It's hard to say really what it is. Well, Mia, Mia, Mia culpa, actually, because when I saw it, it instantly renewed uh, the work that I then defined in the clip about trying to prove if a new moon is see-through and mentioning the royal astronomers that actually claimed they made observations that proved it was and then were drummed out of the Royal Astronomical Society in the 1800s. Uh, things you can't search. That's another thing that struck me. You can't find, or I can't find those accounts searching it anymore. Um, maybe if I sat down for hours, I might be able to find something. But the problem with all that is, is in my mind, I was thinking this is great. Um, the video is not really good enough to prove anything, but it renews this conversation of these ideas I think are important about the moon. Um, so what I would like to be and what I should have been paying attention to got the best of me. Um, and that's really not excusable, which is basically why we're having this conversation and I'm going to have to take a bite of crow. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We make mistakes, folks, uh, not very often, but uh, I mean, we make suppositions that may not be completely correct all the time, but Hey, we both make mistakes and we've got this wonderful platform to be able to go on and say, Hey, you know what? Let's just uh, go on say, oops <laughs> and uh and move forward but all this proves is that we just need to keep doing more work and double checking it and so i i see who i think is s frog who is one of the people who proved that i blundered thankfully thank you s frog um and he's asking when is it see through uh one of the last clips up on youtube i go through the whole thing and there's older work um, that people can look up uh from years ago when i first started down this path and I'll define it again real quick. When the moon is new, when you can't see the moon in the sky, I think that it might well be see-through. I'm not going so far as to say it's not there, um, but I think it's going to be see-through. And part of the problem with proving that is it's very difficult to film a thing you can't see, and you can't see a new moon. To make it worse, quite often there's not that many bright stars behind where a new moon would be and you've got to be able to prove that you're seeing the star field if you have a full spectrum camera that's not really a problem but most of us don't and the other problem is you have to have a very good view of the sky horizon to horizon to be able to see wherever it might be new um, the other time is right after you're going beyond new so there was no moon you could see and that little sliver of light in a young moon comes 
during that time, I have predicted that we can prove it's see-through too. There's more to this story by a long shot. When I first came to Rhode Island, I was so excited because just a few days, or I, I forget, maybe it was a week after I was going to be here, um, there was going to be a shot at Venus going behind the moon. There is, and it was a young moon. There's no better example because Venus is the brightest thing. And so I was prepping up for that. The skies had been clear for like two, three days or something like that. No chemtrails. And so I'm prepping that morning and here come the chem planes. And in short order, they closed the sky to the point where not even my full spectrum camera was going to do any good. And so every time that's happened, it's made me suspicious. But on top of it, I'm sure you people have all seen the clip of that elderly gentleman in the late 50s or early 60s. I guess it's, it must be in the 60s. I think it's on ABC or CBS News. It's black and white. And he's ba 65. He's basically saying um, the moon's plasma. And uh, he's saying th almost everything he says rings in my ears as a man who did firsthand observation as I have. And he's telling the truth from his point of view. And what I think is probably a better description of the moon is not far off with, with that man. As a matter of fact, I have no problem. I, I call it a luminary, but I would have no problem using plasma instead of luminary because I think it's that possible. Um, these are tough things to prove. And so just to be perfectly clear, the association of the clip that the gentleman shot in Western Canada, there is zero chance that that is Mars showing through. Not only is it not a young moon, but it's not even in the ballpark. And uh, I blundered. I made a huge mistake and I should have checked way better than I did. As a matter of fact, there's enough people around me now that I should have tapped to double check what I was looking at, which I often do, which of course they did after the fact uh, in my forum to, to show me that I'd blown it. Um, but all those predictions, they still stand and they're important. I think they're critically important. If someone could ever go out and shoot a new moon and show the star field that is behind it, um, that would be a new day in the morning. Um, and I think like 90 something, 8%, I, I think that's what we're going to find. So this is only meant to be a short little thing. Do you want to, See if anybody's got any questions or discuss this a little bit more before we sign off. Well, everyone showed up for us on really short order to hear me say I uh, acted like a jackass and blew it big. <laughs> but there, there it is. I acted like a jackass and I blew it big. Uh, I should have been much more careful than I was. But just to be very clear, that does not change any of the predictions I made. But while we're all here, I'm sure if the chat room has questions, uh, it's the least we could do for people showing up on short notice. <laughs> Bob, you're funny. Uh, Lacey is asking if we saw the moon exposure experiments that Trey Clark did. Uh, I did, actually, but I don't think you saw those, Crow, right? No. Uh, I usually don't see stuff unless someone sends it to me. I don't surf, really. Yeah, well, he's somebody that uh, we, we're personal friends with now. Um, Rhino, thank you for the 1499 Super Chat. I wasn't expecting that tonight. He says, Jason and Crow, thanks for the gravy. Crow, your blunder is the exception that proves the rule you crush. There you have it. Thank you. That's very cool of you. Well, I, I try to crush, but I, I think to be to be honest, the predictions might be a crush, but what preceded the predictions was an absolute hundred percent my fault blunder. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to go over to that guy's channel and write something, but I don't want to draw more attention to it. I know what happens when someone like me screws up, and uh, you know, I'm kind of sorry for that guy if a bunch of nonsense comes his way. 
Well, I know there's a little bit of a of a of a lag here, so we can give everybody a minute. If you anything you want to talk about real quick before we sign off, we just wanted to go on the record. Like, oops, we made a boo boo. But well, let's let's actually talk about something we did well. Um, episode 200. Yeah. For me, that incorporated um, close to three years, maybe even a little more. I don't know. Well, it's always a little more because I'm always on drawing on things that I've researched for decades. Um, but what did you guys think of episode 200? Um, we've had a lot more guests on lately. Usually it's because it's a topic where we can learn more from someone who's more expert than we are. Um, but what do you guys prefer? Do you prefer when Jason and I do the research or when we have guests on? Because a lot of people have been commenting um, that the best episodes are usually the ones where it's just Jason and I and the research we do. Yeah, now sometimes we do kind of a combination of that, especially when Wayne's on with us. A lot of times the three of us will do some contributions to the overall uh, narrative of the episode. Episode 200 was pure gravy. I like guests. <laughs> I think it means that means you like both. Uh, NASA didn't move the sun into the atmosphere until after the lunar wave came out from Grim Grizz. As far as I know, that wasn't <laughs> announced until just last year. Um, I'm, that's very, I'm not, am I, I don't think I'm following the thread here. Get me up to speed, Jason. Where they started claiming that, uh, the, uh, the moon was in the, or I guess that's supposed to be the moon. Sorry, I'm not good when people use gifts on the fly here. The the moon is now considered in the year's atmosphere, like right in the very edges of of it, which was never said before ever. No, this, so let's put this in context. So I accidentally shoot the the best example that I'm aware of, the 2012 lunar wave in September of 2012. I hold on to that clip for a year because I hate social media. I'm actually a webmaster at that point, by the way. Um, I do have a degree in internet technology, though you wouldn't know it to talk to me now because (laughs) I'm pretty, I'm pretty anti-technology. I've walked away from as much tech as I can. Um, but the point I would make is I posted that lunar wave in the fall of 2013 and all hell broke loose then for a year and a half. Um, I become the second guy who's also filmed it. So that's how long ago it happened. I think if I recall, it was maybe eight, eight months ago, they announced that supposedly the moon's in our atmosphere, which is laughable because they're lying, but not laughable because it might be true. Brian said the uh, the atmosphere thing wasn't even a year ago. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that came out in 2019, if I remember correctly. Thanks, Brian. Uh, let me take a quick look and see if anybody has anything else to say about it. Uh, episode 200 was great. Cool. I like it better with Jason and Baldini. Sci-fi episode is good. I like the ayahuasca episode. That's good. I'm glad to hear that because some people kind of went eh, over that. NTS Bear, thank you for the 999 uh, super chat. I don't see a question or a comment, though. There was a lot of fear around the ayahuasca episode. Um, that surprised me, and, dude. That whole thing well, totally no, shocked me. You know, normally I would have a bigger problem with it than I do um, because I think something as powerful as ayahuasca, and I have experience taking hallucinogens from my misguided youth. Uh, hey, man, these are powerful the damn. Yeah, these are powerful damn things. Um, so they should be taken seriously. But the idea that somehow. You're going to be compromised by archons. I don't think I'm buying that. And that was a lot of the fear that I saw was religiously based that maybe you'd be opened up to some kind of spiritual attack. Um, I've looked at this for like decades. The first time it ever came across my my interest was in these old Carlos Castaneda readings, which 
are okay for some reasons and not so much for others. But the point is, I've been looking at this and I've always paid attention. As a matter of fact, I grew a San Pedro cactus, which is a form of hallucinogen. You might equate it with peyote. And I thought someday I might try it. But something about having it, I never did. I felt like I didn't want to for whatever reason. Uh, point is, is I've talked to a lot of people over the years who have had experience. I don't think I've had anyone communicate LSD as a positive spiritual experience in any way. I've had people try, but you can tell they're just getting high. Mushrooms, that's a little bit different. But ayahuasca is a whole other thing because it almost seems like it exists um, because people who were intended to be spiritual with it made it exist in some way. But to be perfectly clear, I don't have any plans to do ayahuasca. A um, couple more folks said they like it both ways. Um, let's see. Seven Raven Wolf had a question. Let me make sure I get it worded right. Where did it go? Would you consider doing a show on the labors of Hercules? You know, that is a hell of a, a question. And I'm wondering if you're asking that because you, you're seeing through the facade of your question. Um, the 12 labors of Hercules, we could do so much with. I'm actually doing research and have been for a number of months now on the Vatican, trying to determine um, when they went south. I'm trying to determine, was there ever a part of Christianity or Catholicism uh, that wasn't undermined by the people who ran that place, the Pope and his entourage? At this point, I think it's possible there was. It wasn't very long, probably two, three hundred years um, but the reason I'm bringing all this up is there's statuary in St. Peter's Square that they will tell you is a saint. And I will tell you that's poppycock. It's Hercules. You can prove that it's Hercules because he's wearing the Cleonian lion skin and carrying the club. So what they've done is they've taken the pagan ideas, uh, masked them as a saint, and they're hiding the fact that Hermeticism had taken over the thought. By the time we were in the Renaissance, Hermeticism was lock, stock, and barrel what the Vatican was talking about, but that's not really the main point. The main point is the hermetic values and the older maybe Greek myth around this, there's a reason it's 12 labors, same reason there's 12 apostles. It's the 12 positions of the sun in the acceptable year of the Lord. So to answer your question, uh, we may well at some point, I like that idea, but there is so much that would go into that. That's, that's one that would take some doing because of the the hidden kind of encoding behind it all all right we do have a couple more questions coming in uh, uh would we do a show on hermes books um i can almost do that off the top of my head at this point and hermes trismegistus has played heavily into my vatican research for the simple reason most people are not aware um that he was the hero of the pre-renaissance vatican behind closed doors in secret along with jewish kabbalah and um, two forms of magic, both derived from Hermeticism. One called white or natural magic, which was permissible for Christians and Catholics, and the other black magic, which was not. Unfortunately, they were engaged in all of the above. Um, so um, I could actually probably, off just with what I know now, do a quite in-depth story on Hermes Trismegistus. There's a whole dark side. See, I've talked so much about nature and Hermeticism and I haven't talked about the dark side. To me, it's like a knife, right? We can all use a knife. We can all do good, handy things. We can carve. We can eat our food. We can do all these things with a knife. But truth is, you can do some pretty terrible things with a knife. Hermeticism is no different. There is a black magic side to hermeticism. 
um, which I think was prevalent in so-called ancient Egypt, which is one big lie after another. To put a fine point on it, I'm almost certain that we will cover hermetics more in the future. Uh, someone asked about doing a show with Owen and Marty Leeds and you and myself. Uh, I think that would make a good live stream chat because Marty's really good at just uh, just going at it like that. Yeah, if we do something like that, it seems maybe better to go over to Owen or someone who has a larger platform if we're going to get that many people in one place. Um, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, uh, all you I'm bears out there, maybe you can suggest it to him if that's something he wants to do. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought he was kind of down on the whole numerology thing, that it wasn't really his, his thing. And maybe that's just something uh, he needs to be introduced to in, in a decent way. And maybe it, Marty would be the dude to do it. Well, this is part of the problem um, with the question that was just asked me. Um, the gematria that the Western world inherited came from Jewish Kabbalah, and it came from the Jewish alphabet. It's the whole. It's almost the totality of Crowley's work is referencing uh, the Jewish language and the characters, which all stood in for numbers. But bear in mind, whether it was always that way or it happened later, uh, the Roman characters as we know them, Roman numerals, which has been hidden, by the way, if Roman numerals stand for letters, then how come every single Roman character isn't a well-known number? You can see what's gone on here. But the point I would make is the kind of Judaism that came forward after their captivity in Babylon was taken over by rabbinic and scribe concerns, and those dudes went dark to the point where I would almost say, though I'm not quite expert enough to prove it outright, but in my mind, it seems like there was a real Judaism prior to the capture in Babylon and that the Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud, all these things are the product of Babylon uh, when they were held in captivity, if there's any truth to any of those stories. And so basically what's happened since then is the scribes and the rabbis have really become the force uh, in all that. And that's where the gematria gets pretty damn dark. Um, where the word of God is supposedly looked into deeper by using numbers. And I'm not down with that. I'm not down with any of it. So I can respect Owen's point of view on that. Um, to me, nature is the measure of the creation. And if you're going to take some man-made set of numbers and act like you're looking more deeply into the mind of God, to me, that smacks of wrong, <laughs> basically. Uh Someone's asking about the mud flood, if, it, if it's real or not. Uh, we're definitely going to be covering that in a near future episode with Wayne McCroy. Uh, I've expressed my opinion on that several times. I, I don't think that there was a world my, worldwide mud flood, but uh, I don't know if you want to say anything more about that. Uh, there's not a, a worldwide calamity all at once, like flip the light switch, here's your reset. Um, I'm not accepting that. There are so many elements to the mud flood ideas and so many researchers looking into things like Tartaria, other other races of peoples. Um, there's a lot there, and a lot of that is valid, to me, valid research fodder. Um, so I'm not going to poo-poo it, um, but I do not accept that there was somehow a, a flood of mud that reset everything. Uh, I live in a place where basically what happened where I live is people got off the Mayflower and walked to exactly where I'm sitting as I speak now. And there's no evidence of a, a global catastrophe like that that I've seen here. Right. And I keep saying the same thing. I live on the north shore of New Orleans. If anybody hasn't heard me say this before, sorry if you have. Uh, but it's important to point out because there are some folks who are really beating the drum that this 
mud flood thing happened all over the entire world, and it's just not true. And I, I go down to the French Quarter in New Orleans a lot, which was built in the 1700s, and there are some buildings still standing from the 1800s, and either way, there's a lot of stuff still there from a very long time ago before this whole mud flood thing was supposed to have occurred. And I walked in and out of the streets there looking at all the buildings, all the um, where the ground meets everything. There's some places there that still have cobblestone and everything, and there's just zero evidence of it, folks. I'm, I'm sorry. If, 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 a, if it happened all over the world, it almost certainly would have hit a city like New Orleans, which is at in some parts or under sea level, and there's, there's nothing. It's, it's fine. So... That's, I think I think it's it. important for us to walk carefully, um, like it's a you know a street made of eggs here. Because you know, look in the chat room right now. Yeah, history is a lie agreed upon. Yeah, it is fake history, and there's your problem. We all know we've been lied to. We all know there's a history that's being deprived us, um, and that's how research like this starts, and that's why it's valid. Um, but it doesn't mean we all have to agree, among other things. But um, with the research I've done in the Vatican, uh, with aspects of the Bach saga, which I found useful in some ways and maybe not so useful in other ways, is that I'm beginning to suspect that the Vatican knocked over a hell of a lot more than we're aware of. As a matter of fact, um, think of Angkor Wat. Everyone's familiar with Angkor Wat in Cambodia. It's the largest temple complex in the world. When you see that, to even try to wrap your mind around how anyone could build in stone at that intricacy, at that level, at that scope and scale, you understand immediately that, first of all, spirituality is the main drive of the entire society because that's what the architecture is about. And not only that, the entirety of society had to be involved to pull something off like that. They're even making claims that things like parts of Angkor Wat were built much more quickly than the cathedrals were. But here's the real kicker. Their claim is that some of Angkor Wat is concurrent with the oldest cathedrals. Now, I can tell you that the oldest cathedrals had nothing to do with Christianity or Catholicism. They were natural science edifices echoing maybe what we would call alchemical or natural science ideas that were then taken over later. Some of the later ones were built into the religious tradition. But my point is, is if you look at Angkor Wat and you look at the oldest cathedral you can think of, do those two things seem concurrent? To me, Angkor Wat seems a lot older, but the timeline wants to tell you that they're concurrent. So what I'm starting to question, is it possible? Because they, they make up all this nonsense. It's the same as the Mayans. Oh, these idiots used all their water up. Oh, they burned the whole forest down. Oh, they ran out of... No. Societies that live in nature don't do things like that. Um, it's nonsense. So how did they actually end? I'm beginning to wonder if the Vatican knocked over a lot more than we think. Um, anyhow, that's me thinking out loud. Yeah, I don't think it's the whole tartar thing, though. I, I see folks talking about that. I, there, there's plenty of evidence for what they called Tartaria, and there's not any evidence for it being this worldwide, huge-spanning empire kind of thing. It's, it's kind of silly, really, if you really think about it. Uh, but we're gonna go at it. We, we, we have some, uh, we have some work but, we've done with Wayne. Well, I would add, though. Um, yeah, I agree. The, the, the reset button. This flood happened. No, not accepting. But a lot of the evidence. Um, like there are, you can see evidence that people have done where the buildings are sunk into the ground. Um, there was another thing I was reading up on. Someone was researching the orphan trains. All very interesting points of evidence that I think need to be scrutinized carefully and taken seriously. But the idea of somehow a global reset 
not only is there not evidence for it in a lot of places, it does a similar thing that science fiction tries to do to us. It tries to make human beings little ants, insignificant ants. And from my point of view, the opposite of that is true. We're, we're the apex thing here. We're the caretakers of this place. This You could say, from my point of view, this place was made for us. As a matter of fact, I think Iggy Pop actually talks about that in a song called The Passenger. Um, but yeah, so I think it's I think we need to be careful with all the evidences because so many of them are valid to be studied um, and good ideas. But uh, the, the whole global thing, yeah, I think we all agree on this side of the table. We're not buying. I see a couple of folks talking about the 432 thing. Uh, I linked a song of mine that's on my Secrets of Saturn channel. Uh, everything I record and release is on is in 432 hertz. It's called Angel's Song. So if you want to hear something to see if it affects you differently than a, a song in 440, everything was recorded and layered in 432, not just recorded and bumped down from 440 to 432. I think that makes a difference. And, of course, there's Conspiracy Music Guru, our friend Mike, uh, Alex Michael, who released uh, his excellent album, True Solfagio, that's also available. Just look him up on uh, CD Baby. All, all done in 432 with uh, the Solfagio tones. And he... Yeah, that goes right through you. Are you still getting me? You were starting to drop there, Jason. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, I got, I got my uh, custom mandolin back, and I had another one being fixed, which, by the way, I'm going to reset the bridge on the other one, Jason. I got it back. The harmonics didn't work on the fifth or seventh fret, but I started to write... Uh, some music before I learned some of the official ways that you officially play mandolin, even though I have a good idea. And the reason is, is because I like to do things my own way. Um, and I sent Jason just kind of a very rough sitting on the corner of your knee uh, recording of it. By, by the way, do you even like that song? Yeah. The, the, the little ditty you sent me? Yeah. Yeah, that no, um, was cool. I actually have some ideas for it already. Yeah. So Jason and I might uh, put out some break music that's done in fourth or by the way, I hate to tell you, I had just got that back from the shop, and it's not what I sent you was in 440. Was it? Just so you, yeah, just so you know. Um, but anyhow, um, Jason and I wrote some kind of offbeat or non-typical mandolin song. I started to write, so we may do that for break music. Um, a lot of people have, while we're at it, have taken umbrage with um, the fact that a lot of people hear Trump in the new music that Alex Michael gave us. So I want to address that real yeah. quick. Um, I, I can't hear it, and the people who I associate can't hear it. And so I tried to force myself to hear it, and I realized I was forcing myself to hear a thing that's not there. So I logically tried to work it out, and I came to this conclusion. If no one had ever been oversaturated by that name, they wouldn't hear it in the song. But nonetheless, you can see how many people hear that from just the massive programming that goes on in our world. And people were asking if we can change it. Here's the problem. Alex Michael, out of the goodness of his heart, wrote that song for us. And he made three versions, by the way, a one-minute, a 50-second, and a three-minute-plus version, which by now are out on CD Baby being uh, conglomerated with the, the soundtrack of the moon. And I don't think it's cool to accept a gift like that that was so generous from someone and then say, by the way, can you redo it? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where, that's where I'm coming from. And, and the real truth is, uh, I think logically we can demonstrate if people hadn't heard Trump every five seconds for the last, however many years it's been, no one would hear Trump in that music. Yeah. Just to be very, very clear about this, Alex Michael did us a favor. Everything on the current theme 
is Alex Michael, including the part where it goes, Crow, that's him, that's his voice, layered multiple times uh, doing like that uh, gang vocal kind of thing. So it might just be his accent that's throwing people off a little bit because he does have a pretty thick British accent. That's the only thing I could think of. But it never occurred to me that anyone was saying Trump. I think this might actually be a perfect example of how mainstream I, I do too. programming works. It's it's sitting in your brain. Yeah, I think it's a perfect I mean, I think I think you could demonstrate all day long that if people hadn't heard that name every day for God years now that they would never hear it when they're hearing that music. It shows what the programming has done. But, you know, when I first got that music, it was so kind of well done because he's such a talented guy. But I was a little world worried about the crows being self-serving. Um, that was my first concern and then everyone liked it. So I just let it go, but I don't, you know, he did us a huge favor because we dumped the copyright music we had. So I don't, I don't feel like it's appropriate. I don't even feel the need to ask him to change anything. Um, what he did was took a lot of work and I appreciate it. It did. Now, originally we were going back and forth. We thought maybe we were going to add some stuff to it. But uh, what he ended up sending us sounded so damn good. We're like, no, man, let's let's go with it. This is this is awesome. Thank you. Well, it was worse than that because I was actually going to add guitar. He actually sent me a clip showing showing the scales, and he used a special tuning, um, and I was going to add to it. And I realized in about five seconds, you ain't adding nothing to what this dude laid down. <laughs> um, and so I just ran, you know, because we were going to add uh, guitar tracks from both of us on it. Yeah. And I realized real quick um, why, so I can make it worse than it is. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea originally was... Uh, for Crow to do the an acoustic part and me to do an electric part and then maybe put our voices in there too with the with the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I see people saying it's uh, Bob Bob from Globusters is saying it sounds like he's saying Crow to me. It totally did. I it never even occurred to me until a couple, a couple people started saying. That. I was like, what? Are you freaking kidding me? That does not sound well, like that. Well, here, hey, here's whatever. the thing. Yeah, here's the thing to try. Everybody knows that it actually says Crow. I know the guy who wrote it. Um, I knew everything about the song as it got written. Um, so we know factually that what's being said there is Crow. So as you listen to it, visualize a human being singing it and visualize the lips saying Crow. And maybe you can break the programming that way. Yeah, it's <laughs> – I don't know. Just uh, think about what we're on about and, and why why would we put Trump in that anyway? Uh, I think everybody knows that we don't we don't go there. That's not our thing. We we will always tell you there might be two wings, but there's only one head to the bird, ladies and gentlemen. Well, people had pointed out that it is about uh, – I don't know if they use the words angry, but forceful, um, that part of the music, which I, I guess I understand that. Um, and I think that – kind of attitude is associated with the orange man too so yeah i mean people are still falling for i mean come on folks we say this all the time you don't vote for the president uh, <laughs> the, the electoral college puts the president in if, if you don't understand this you, you you're not getting it that's how they control yeah. the system that is how <laughs> and, they control the system so all this you, nonsense it, about russian hackers and all the other crap yep it doesn't freaking matter. Mickey Mouse can win the private vote. Mickey Mouse isn't going to be the president. Whoever the Electoral College chooses is who's going to be the president of the United States. And that's it. That is how it works. People need to get it through their head, and that's that. Well, not only is that how it works, you were all taught how it works in seventh grade. You yeah, ninth grade is when we were like heavily what an into electoral that. vote is. I, I have recounted 
Um, the fact that the state of Rhode Island showed up when they were setting the Electoral College together. There were 13 original colonies. 12 of them were there making the Electoral College. Rhode Island walked in and said, what on God's green earth are you people doing? You're putting a backdoor to power in so that the same people who have always held power will continue unimpeded to hold power. And Rhode Island walked out and refused to take any role in the setting up of the Electoral College. Um, so when you go out and vote this year, just understand what you're doing is being polled. That's what you're doing. As a matter of fact, you're being polled at this point so they can determine if Fox and CNN did enough good enough job programming people to get them to vote the way they want. It's that bad. Um, is, is Rose here? We should put the episode up where I put the speech from Norman Montague, which proves outright that the bankers put the political parties together to take control of everything I, there's an episode what is it like 150 something yeah i'm not sure uh, i don't believe she is here if you want to speak for a moment i'm sure i could go ask her real quick i'm gonna actually search it out because i think it's 150 something let me take a quick look through the chats here jump in between d live and youtube if anyone else got any questions before we say good night Oh, someone had asked about the Dead Sea Scrolls. I forgot to mention that one, if we're going to ever touch that. Uh, you've well, been doing that, some serious work on, on the Vatican and how things got changed around and all that. Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls are no different than anything else you're ever going to run to in this world. Does anyone listening have any idea who controlled the Dead Sea Scrolls in Israel, we are told, uh, for the first, God, I don't know how many decades that they came into existence until they were, it is claimed, leaked out on the internet without permission on the 90s. That's the claim. Does anyone know who controlled it all that time? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was the Catholic Church. It was the Vatican. So go figure. Why does the Vatican have control of those writings in Israel? Um, because they control everything. So anything that's been in that sour soup from those evil whatever you want to call them. Um, it's got problems because they held control of it. Rose is all over it. She said 156 with Bob Dini, 147 a trilateral commission. And by the way, Nirat and Nexamanda Bear, thank you for the $5 super chat. Uh, let me see. What was the episode number? Uh, she said 156 with Bob Baldini or 147 on trilateral commission, perhaps. It's the Tell her it's the one. I think she's listening. It's the one with the dude with the beard uh, on the episode image, and Norman Montague's speech is just to the left of the dude with the beard in the episode image. There you go. Yeah. All right, let me see if anybody else has got any questions. Maybe we should do random things like this more often, keep everybody on their toes, including us. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing I've learned for sure. Um, when you blow it, and when you blow it big, find a microphone right now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you know, you want to know what I was doing, folks? If you want to just uh, hear some total transparency, I was taking my teenage daughter to her first New Orleans Mardi Gras parade when crow got a hold of me and said i what are you doing we need to do this now <laughs> and i said well i can do it when i get back so hold your horses while we finish this yeah man don't it's one thing to be kind of a jackass and make a mistake but it's a whole other thing to be a complete 
dimwit and not own up to it. No, and like a lot of the crazies out there in liberal land, uh, the, the, they always when they make a big stupid mistake, they they don't say, "Oops, I made a boo boo." They double down or triple down and just keep going nuts. It's like, yeah, you need to chill out. I could have swore that was one seventy four. And Narat for another two dollars, thank you. Says, "Was George Washington King George?" I know you've uh, speculated on that. I, I've never seen any direct evidence of it. Mount Smithy for five bucks says, Road is Venus, the ocean who is Lucifer. Road Island is Lucifer Island, the ocean state. Lex Rodia, Lob Lucifer. Spirit World, Ju- Julie, July's End. Man, can speak, Jason. I don't, I guess I don't understand how you equate Lucifer with the water. It's typically the light bringer, but to get back to the one before, um, I'll accept the speculation all day long that there's a reason to examine King George versus George Washington. Does anyone in the chat room know who the first president of the United States was? Just asking. And do you know how many presidents were before George Washington? That's another question. Let's see how many <laughs> people have listened to all of our episodes. That, there one, it is. that one was a while ago. What was it? It was either nine or 13. I don't remember which, but it was, I think it was at least nine presidents before George Washington that you've never heard a thing about. And why is that? You might ask if you haven't listened to those episodes, because before the official constitution and George Washington was sworn in as, as what is counted as the first president of the United States, there was the articles of confederation and a few other little bits of law that they worked from, uh, during the, uh, revolutionary war and even before it. So yeah, interesting stuff. Either that, or they took them that much time to get George Washington into costume. Here it is. It's one twenty. I think it's one twenty. If you are red or blue, you do not get the gist of things. There you go. Here it is. I'll uh, I'll actually put this here, Jason. I'm going to send this through Skype. Put it into the chat. By the way, just so you people know, I don't log in to these live chats because I'm trying to keep Jason from being censored at the same level. Try to to keep my channel existing. (laughs) Well, as far as I know, they haven't shadow banned. You know, my, my crow triple seven, the name is shadow banned everywhere. Um, I just went through all the videos they've removed ads from today. There's a whole bunch more. They don't even notify me. They just remove them. Um, but anyhow, if you can take that and put it into the chat, that's a good, that's, that's a good clip to pass around um, because it tells you true things that are provably true, and it shows that the central bank had everything to do with this nonsense that makes us all fight these days, this red and blue nonsense. Central so banks we, have been the bane of existence going back a long, long way. That's the facts, Jack, man. Is. That is – even, the, even the, the Vatican research I'm doing, it's to the point – where um, did you know that in the Bible usury is a mortal sin, and yet the Vatican engaged in usury all the way back at the Renaissance? The first bankers for the Renaissance were called the Fugars. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. And then we have the Medicis. Um, when Dante goes to hell um, in Dante's Inferno, there's a dude there being sodomized. Do you know what he was guilty of? He was usury. <laughs> he was <laughs> performing usury on people. So in the 1900s, the Vatican basically finally makes a canonical bull to try to make it legal. But I'm sorry, as far as I know, the Vatican is not allowed to amend the word of God, which is supposed to be what's in the Bible from their point of view. Um, And in the Bible, usury is a mortal sin. As a matter of fact, in all of Islam, 
It's a similar unacceptable thing. Now you know why these parts of the world are being taken apart. The Middle East right now, one of the main reasons. They require <laughs> value for money and no usury, or they used to. All right. All right, I don't know how much longer we want to, want to go here. Let me take a quick look and see if I missed any questions. If anybody's got anything, I know there's a little bit of a lag here. I'll give it a moment. Uh, hit us up. If not, we're probably going to wind down in a minute unless you've got something else you want to get out, Crow. Uh, no, I just wanted to get my bat on the record so I can own up to the mistake I made. All right, we'll hold tight for a minute. Uh, I'm glad people are talking about this stuff. That's that's good to see. We seem to be inspiring conversation, which I'm quite. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. The episode that Jason linked, um, just from a living where we live right now point of view. That episode is one of the most important for a mind who is ready to be open and consider things honestly. Um, because if they consider those things, they're provable. Um, and when you can show that the central bank, the governor of the central bank of England came to all the bankers in this country all the way back before the big crash in 1924 and basically told them all, we have Republicans and Democrats in place now so we can get them to fight endlessly about things that do not matter while us bankers take over the world. It's basically what it was about. It also tells you the truth about voting, by the way. Um, let's see. Yeah, Rose's got 120 linked in there. Uh, episode blew my 200 blew my mind. Hello, Gregory. I, I, we're we are always glad to do that. Hopefully, it gives people things to think about. Let's see. You know, the importance of episodes like 200 aren't maybe verbatim the the points made, but the overall sense of how you arrive at them um, to try to gain some insight on how to look at everything in your day in that way try to bring a little common sense to bear any thoughts on seeing the same numbers every day yeah i, I missed that one earlier like for instance 9 11 i know i know a lot of people see 11 11 uh i've had that experience but i've never put a whole lot of stock into it it's probably like more of a I, kind of thing but what do you think i've been living it for over a year now there is rarely a day that i don't see 9 11 on a digital clock once if not twice and, and in bizarre ways like I'm not doing a damn thing near a clock for hours and I walk over and look and there it is, 9-11. Not only that, the license plate I just got issued by the state of Rhode Island is a verbatim 9-11 encode. And the only reason it's encoded is because the nines flipped as a six. Other than that, it's a verbatim 9-11 encode. It's like a haunting ghost. Um, it's like a vampire. Someone send me some garlic. <laughs> let's see or wooden steak or something in Connell bear 82 uh when is clint richardson coming back on and what happened to john miller from the other straw man episode john miller kind of lives out in the middle of nowhere just kind of keeps to himself and does his own thing we we haven't had a need to go and, back and to him. was sick and was sick yeah yeah he, but he kind of keeps to himself uh we haven't had a need to to revisit uh anything with him yet uh, clint richardson is fantastic and, and is always working on the next new thing so that that could definitely happen at some point let let me jump on Carolina O's question um no i have zero respect for alistair crowley i've read as much of his work as i can stomach it's all based on um jewish kabbalah and the gematria therein derived a lot of it it's ripped off basically magic from every tradition that was ever in the world it has no concern 
for living human beings, as far as I can tell, it's all self-centered and very dark. So, no, there's no relationship. The reason there's sevens in my name, it's a play on my birth name, my corporate birth name. Yeah, people are always asking that question. And Sorry, there's nothing crazy about it. It's just it. it. Do you remember back in the 90s, folks, and everybody was kind of making monikers more than anything? It's kind of that notion because you've been using it since that time frame. That's back when you were learning at the dawn of the Internet age uh, how to do all this stuff. So I tell people this all the time. Like, I know they want to find something crazy in there, but no. It's simple. Um, we, I was setting up the thing, but there are already names that were Crow. Um, the word Crow is a play on my corporate birth name, and I'm also adopted. So the birth name that was put on my birth certificate had seven letters. The part of it I, I'm allowed to read because the state of California redacted it all. Um, but then the name I got when I was adopted is three names, a first, a middle, and a last, which all have a sum of seven um, seven letters, and some of them even summed to seven. And it was my wife who suggested that. And I, actually, I didn't even realize that. She pointed that out to me. Um, and the two R's is a direct play on my corporate birth name after adoption. I had a name that I'm not allowed to know before adoption. I know half of it. Uh, let's see. Let me take a quick look through the chats one more time. Make sure we're not missing anything. Uh, what about dinosaurs? Nirat for $5 is asking, well, dinosaurs is an interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, dino dinosaurs never exist. Um, and I think it's, to my satisfaction, provable beyond doubt. It's tied to the Darwin argument. The same people that were pushing Darwin set up the, the same night. Same time frame. Same time frame. They set up a night at the Natural History Museum to make up dinosaurs before any shred of any evidence of any kind had been found. He'd already invented them. Um, but what got me going on this was many years ago, I was, I don't even know what I was looking at, but I came across these engineers in a chat room and they were having a heated argument. And one of them was saying, it's not possible that dinosaurs exist. I've done the engineering specs on them. Their guts would fall out. Their legs would buckle. And the guy that was arguing with him, he started to put all the tensile strengths down that would be required to handle the weights of something like a brontosaurus and the tensile strength of ribs to hold guts in, making the argument and other things like, oh, these were plant eaters. Well, we know plant eaters, not like cows. What do cows have, four stomachs or something like that? to survive and he was making all these arguments and I realized all at once this guy's not wrong and that's when I started looking it was years later I don't know maybe Rose will oh there it is thanks Rose <laughs> episode 55 no dinosaurs yeah basically <laughs> what it comes down to is uh, people weren't discovering these things uh, prior to the 1800s you never hear any mention of it from say Native American peoples who definitely dug things up way back when. S frog someday, um, when I'm closer to not being here, maybe. User Aldo for $5. Thanks, man. Uh, Google says the first dinosaur was discovered around 1819. You guys said it wasn't until much later. Can you explain? Uh, maybe we made a mistake. No, maybe Google writes whatever the hell they want because it's all a fantastic, nonsensical story that's being made up. As a matter of fact, Jason and I released episode 55 and like two or three days later, oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and maybe as much as a week, 
they released a new dinosaur that was I forget whether it was on the spring equinox or something or or 9-11 and their new dinosaur was named Nodosaur. I'm not even kidding you. So I took it apart. I went in and I took apart the name, brought it back to its Latin roots, Node, and everyone was already saying it sounds like no dinosaur, of course, because they're laughing at all us ignorant people who believe in fantastic things. But I tied it to the crossroads. Right in the name was the alchemical crossroads um, that was always so used. So even as we were outing dinosaurs, their reaction was to have National Geographic release this new one that they discovered four years before on September 11 or whatever it was. I forgot. Notosaur. Look it up. As a matter of fact, if episode 55 is dinosaurs, it must be 56 where I address the the damn Notosaur. It's either 56 or... 57 in the intro, I will take apart Notosaur, the language and what it means and all the nonsense they were engaged in. Um, why do they pick a date? Because they can choose anything. When you're writing a fairy tale, you can choose anything you want. How do they make the bones? That is actually stupid easy. There are no full skeletons. Not, there are no complete skeletons as far as I know. And no, what- there's not. There's no skulls. There's no nothing. And it's against the law for anyone to see real dinosaur bones. And not only that, you can probably still look it up. They're claiming that dinosaur bones are so radioactive they have to be painted with lead paint and kept in a vault safely away from the public. You want to know where dinosaur bones and skeletons are made? In China. What's the name of the joint, Jason, that does it? Do you remember? Uh, no, but I could find that out again real quick. You know, it's funny. People uh, who are finding us now, we just hit episode 200. So some of the things they bring up are stuff that we did four years ago. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, I got to look that up again because I don't necessarily remember everything anymore. We've done so much research on so many episodes that it's like, yeah, 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 I remember that. But I got to get the details again. So let's look. Let's do a quick look up, Johnny. I know somebody's asking about the Holocaust. That is not a safe thing to bring up on a live stream because I want to keep my channel. Yeah, we've basically been warned by people in the know that if we ever address the Holocaust, they'll take us down on every platform we own. Dinosaur bones. So I guess I guess it becomes a question of do we talk about anything we want or do we maintain the ability to talk to people? Okay, here you go, dinosaur. If you just look up here, I'll just actually just take this link. That'll be even easier. I'll put this in both live streams. It, it's it's huge it. business. It's, yeah, it's and huge business for them to make this crap. You have no idea what one of those. I'm fake giving you guys the link in. Dino- not the- not only that. Here's another thing about. There was a thing called the Dino Wars that went on yeah. right after the, the Bone night Wars. In, the yeah, bone the Bone Wars. Wars after the night in England made them up out of whole cloth. These two dudes in America started having this war who could find the most dinosaurs both of them were caught fraudulently making skeletons out of hippos and alligators and ostriches and everything you can think of caught red-handed somebody's asking about the coronavirus uh if you listen to the live stream from wednesday that i just did with wayne and the great baldini uh we went through all that and there may or may not be a flu. There's new flus all the time. But uh, th- what's going on as far as the news is concerned, that's fear porn, folks. They're just pushing nonsense. Uh, they're and always trying to move the Overton window. That's what's yeah, going it, on. And viruses are likely misdescribed. Um, I would. I am not a betting person, but I would gladly bet 
anything I own right now that no one I know is going to die of coronavirus. Um, and by the way, flus, go back to the Lena episodes. I was already um, getting ready. There's two things that I was getting ready to address directly, that viruses don't exist as described, and neither does the double helix in DNA. Um, those are two things um, that I'm still working on. Luckily, we had Dr. Lena on, who had worked with a German team that had done the new research and was supposedly going to announce that uh, viruses were misdescribed. They were better described as electromagnetic vamp vampires, um, but apparently the German team's been told they're not allowed to publish that. There you have it. Yeah, viruses from everything we can find, and it's actually hard to find some very dedicated research on that, like hardcore stuff. It, it, they just don't seem to be... Well, well, just what we always say. They seem to be misdescribed is, is the easiest way to put it. More on the box saga... That was a very mixed bag with the reactions we got. Uh, I don't know if it's worth going there again. We wanted to tackle it to add yet another background on uh, creation stories because it's something that Crow and I both find very interesting. And there's almost always some sort of positive to get out of studying them, especially to cross-reference them to each other to see what old cultures say and, and what things uh, line up, that kind of thing. But to do another one, I don't know if that's worth anything, but that doesn't mean that there aren't discussions going on all the time uh, on the Crochable 7 radio forums. Well, the box saga is catch-22. The reason I decided to do it, there are parts of it that show beyond arguability uh, from my point of view, like when the Vatican knocked over the place called H-E-L and then renamed it Wolf Island. What's the big thing about the founding of Rome? The two little babies suckled by a wolf. But backwards in that name, Jesus is written. Um, it's exactly what the Vatican was involved in. But the problem with the whole box saga is we excluded a huge portion of it, specifically the offering. And I guarantee you, if we cover the offering, you will see hundreds, if not thousands of minds explode yes. and people start running around like kids who just had their lollipop taken because they can't possibly logically think about a thing. Um, so the problem with the box saga becomes risk and reward um, because we're under censorship all the time. And so every person who comes and flags us on YouTube is further shadow banning my private server in a way. Um, we may cover it, but basically the parts we left out are really the, the shocking parts. Yeah, we, we covered the stuff that was essential to the, the kind of work we do normally. But is there anything else you want to go over, Crow? We've actually been at this for an hour already, surprisingly enough. Um, what are we going to do for episode 202 in the year 2020? Uh, next is Marty Leeds. Uh, coming up, we have an episode... With Athen Comenti, yeah. uh, we have one coming up with Wayne McCroy. That that's where we're going to cover the mud flood. We also have another one coming up where we're revisiting uh, Edward Bernays, which I have been working on for a while, trying to get like super detailed on that. And as I said to Crow today when we were speaking earlier, Bernays did more crap than <laughs> even I realized. And he uh, he's a favorite subject of mine. I keep finding new things that that guy, even all the way back into his early twenties. The dude was massively influential. So we're going to do another episode on Bernays that I'm working on right now. Right. Uh, the Athen Comenti will be 202, I believe. And he came on. He's a sidereal astrologer who looks at the sky to see what's actually there. We're going to cover so many of the big astrological events. Um, Kobe. Kobe's nonsense. 
Corona is nonsense. You know something? If your news freaking tells you about it, your instant reaction should be, I don't listen to nonsense. Uh, if everybody in this world um, woke up tomorrow and said, Corona is nonsense, I'm not afraid, guess what? That virus would die in about 24 hours. Yeah, and then they'd wait a month and show something else. User Aldo, thank you for the $2. He says, Crow, love the way you speak truth. Don't stop, friend. Well, I'm glad he That's likes the way got, you speak man. truth. That's all we got, man. That's all we got. We got nothing, nothing but the best we can do. Without that, we have nothing. Um, what, what did I just missed? Oh, more on the, uh, the, 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 the law and admiralty and all that. Yeah. We're always going to go back to that when we find new people who are doing good work. Like when we got Kurt on uh, and we had him on three times because he's always doing more work. So that's a, that's a work in progress. that's never going to stop because we're always looking for folks who are pushing that envelope to discover more about it. And because of the nature of that stuff, they're probably changing things as we go along as well. I don't think they want us to understand the system fully, so I wouldn't be surprised one little bit if they change things as far as Admiralty Law is concerned. You know, there's a handful or more of episodes that we have done that have within them bits and pieces that are life-altering information that really isn't arguable. Kurt was one of those with the nine months that we spend in the womb. The whole idea around that is beyond anyone's ability to tell me is nonsense because it's logically true. Um, there are many things like this uh, in episodes that come across. But let me put this idea out there. I've noticed that there is a core of actors who always get involved with the biggest nonsense. Tom Hanks is one of them. <laughs> and directors. Um, if you see Tom Hanks in a movie where he's not crashed on an island somewhere, you're looking <laughs> at programming at the highest level. Well and even in that, you're looking at a FedEx commercial. But if you see Spielberg cover any historical event, you're being lied to at the highest level that it is possible to lie to a human being. That's a fact. Now, you don't have to buy what I just said, but I'm hoping you'll keep it in your mind. So the next time you get your damn black and white, everybody cry for these people movie or your dinosaur movie or your, oh, this guy crashed in the Hudson movie or whatever damn movies coming along. Uh, I'm telling you, honestly, if you see these apex typical guys, Matt Damon's another one, um, Matt Nomad, maybe we should call him, but I'm just putting it out there. If you're a common sense mind and you begin to look at what I just said and scrutinize it technically, you'll come to understand. That's they they don't make those movies to make money, just so you understand. That's a that's a side effect. Yeah. It's a it's a nice help. Uh Disney right now is a perfect example of that, and I could I could go on for an hour about that. Uh I in Connellbert eighty two, will we ever do an episode on buildings that shouldn't have been able to be built architecture from say the world's fair? Um, as far as I know, I can answer part of that for you right now. They didn't build replicas of Rome with marble and all that for the World's Fair. Those were just uh, facsimiles. They, they, I mean, I know people really, really, really want this whole general story with the mud flood and all the things that go along with it to be true. But here's the thing that I, I got to point out to all you folks, and I know we're always getting new people – Newspapers, independent newspapers existed in the 1800s, going all the way back to the 1700s. If there was something along the lines of this mud flood narrative that ties in with Tartaria and ancient architecture and all those things, if any of that happened, somebody would have reported on it somewhere. Well, fam families would have held it with, you know, things like that. Something like that. You yeah, know what I families mean? Like, you would gotta, have, have you, talked it forward. It's, it's interesting stuff. 
and it's a really cool concept. But when you really, you got to look at it the way we, we do things, folks. You got to break it down to its simplest thing. Just challenge everything. Let, Does it make sense for let, this stuff to have existed or is there a simpler explanation? I always try and look for the simplest explanation first. And the simplest explanation is they did facsimiles of Roman structure for the world's fairs and that's why they got torn down. Well, I, I want to say a thing about the World's Fair, though, um, and this is the Catch-22. So there's a person asking a question about this, probably because they're detecting that something about the World Fair has been covered up. Um, I think they showed a lot. You know, you got to realize some of the first lighting was a World Fair where that started to be brought out. Yeah. Remember the new Marvel movie where they're making fun of everyone, where uh, Iron Man's dad is showing a car that floats and then it breaks and falls. He says this is just a prototype. You're being poked in the eye. I suspect, and this is one of the things I want to research, um, that there was a lot of technology that was way more advanced than we would associate with the early 1900s at World's Fairs that has in fact been covered. And on top of that, I'm reasonably sure that the Eiffel Tower is technology in the same way the Ion London Inn is the same way World One in New York with that antenna on top is. I think they're all doing similar things or have the ability to be weaponized. All right, let's see if we got anything else going on here. All right, well, I know I drug you back all the way from uh, Mardi Gras, so <laughs> if, you, if you want to wrap up, you can. Are we coming up? Jason, you guys coming across limestone gravy? I'm not sure what that means. Um, someone's yeah. asking about the firmament. Not yet. I'll take that in a second. Um, I've <laughs> suggested that space might be better described as water and that the religious traditions around the world have told the truth about that. The limestone thing, it feels like I've heard something about it, but I can't draw the line. Um, go ahead and do your other one. I think, I, I let me see. A anything before the 1800s uh, doesn't have source documentation. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, pretty, um, yeah, accurate. I usually go back to about the 1600s is where I start saying, that's probably where things got wonky, and if indeed there's been any kind of deletion or when the when the Jesuits took over is what it is. Because let me right. tell you something, and I know a lot of people say that the some some researchers or truthers or whatever won't touch it. Well, I'm gonna touch it. The Jesuits, the Jesuits, the Jesuits, and the Vatican. Yes, responsible for people, so damn much. People forget that there was a period that's well documented when it was illegal to print anything that wasn't Catholic or a Bible. Um, people have no idea that the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, would have gone extinct had it not been for Pope Leo X, who was a Medici, um, gave the specific contract to a Vatican publishing company, Vatican owned and operated, to make the best Talmud that had ever been made. And here in public, they're acting like they hate Jewish people, and in the background, um, they've got all these guys teaching them how to speak the language so they can deal with the Old Testament, getting into what they're calling Christian Kabbalah, among other things. But they saved the, the Talmud from decimation uh, in, in that part of the world. But to get back to the point, it was against the law for a, a long period of time. Vatican had total control over all publishing. You couldn't publish anything that wasn't Catholic, religious, approved by the church or a Bible. So think about what that means for all the history that's down in their catacombs that was removed. Or think about things like the story of the, the library burning in Alexandria 
because of Julius Caesar from the same city. Interesting, right? Pope and Caesar both come from Rome. Um, these ideas all point to the same thing that we all know has happened. We're missing a history. Um, that history is probably got a lot of amazing things because consider this. If natural science is a better way to go and we throw out our nonsensical periodic table with Californicum and Berkelium and Einsteinium and all this other nonsense, just complete nonsense, um, and you get back to four philosophical elements and you start to key up, it's even possible that that will start to explain how they move stones that are beyond uh, imagination, how a stone that big, it could be cymatics move those stones, sound vibration. Um, there's a lot of things, um, but I'm just saying we'll get back there and I understand why everybody gets there because they know we've been lied to, but it is so damn difficult to literally get before the 17, 1800s. Why, when I got that star map from the 1600s, I thought, wow, what a find. By the way, I've seen Melanie mentioning that Matt Lamon is an actor. Look at his LinkedIn. I am looking at his LinkedIn and I don't want to go into an argument about Matt because I generally like him. He's a quirky dude. He comes off a little weird to some people, and I don't like the way he acts all the time. But this is from 2013. I just want to address this because I'm always pretty blunt about what I think. I don't think Matt is a bad dude. I think he's a quirky dude, and I don't like the way he treats some people sometimes. But his last thing on here is from 2013. Uh, he's blatantly talked about when he was a farmer. and I, like Everything on here is everything I've known about him for quite a few years now. This is almost certainly right before he became an activist, which is probably why this picture where he looks way younger than he does now, uh, he certainly doesn't have long hair in this picture. It, it's Please stop attacking Matt Landman. I'm going to have a talk with him, tell him to chill out on certain things, but I really don't think he's a bad guy. And if I end up being wrong, I end up being wrong. Hey, I'll do a live stream about it. How about that? As far as I know, he's gone to a lot of city council meetings and done a lot of activism. But to be fair, I don't follow anyone online. So I hear what I hear through the grapevine. And unless I take the time to go look at it, um, I pretty much know what my books tell me. All right. Um, All I don't right, think I, think I see anything good. else coming. Let's count to 20. And if I don't see another question, we'll wrap it up. Uh, apparently S Frog has got a problem with me again. Get a clue, Jason. I'm sorry, S Frog. I, I don't. I think Matt is a quirky guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. If you guys do, that's cool. I, I've we've had Matt on a bunch of times. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go in an argument about all's, Matt Lamon. All I yeah. All I know is he's done a lot of activism work. Um, I know he got mad at somebody recently, but I don't know. Just be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, you know how I'll point a thing out here. Do you know how hard it is to sit behind a mic and run channels and run episodes and stay in the center of your lane? Um, luckily, I figured it out relatively early on under heavy fire about the lunar wave. Um, but it's like an echo chamber. All the little mistakes you make get amplified so intensely more than people who don't experience it can imagine. Um, and it's not easy, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but maybe step back, take a breath, and, and consider the whole picture. Um, I don't know if I'm missing something in the whole story, but I don't, I'm not into defaming people unless there's a damn good reason for it. Right. And, and the, only, the only person that. I'm willing to defame right now is Neil deGrasse Tyson. 
but he asked for it. <laughs> I'm pretty good at going after David Wilcock because fraud, 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 blue chicken people, fraud. <laughs> blue chicken people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And S Frog, I'm sorry, dude. I know you're, you're very self-assured and I respect your intellect, but even you trying to say that what Randy from Houston is doing is snake oil, it's not snake oil, brother. I know where it comes from, and I, I'm now getting five miles to the gallon better in my car because of it. I know what this product is. I know all about it. You just got to admit you're not always right about everything. As we're doing tonight, we're not always right about everything. But I've got proof. Now, am I well, right hey, about that? Maybe. Maybe not. Let's... I could be wrong. I haven't looked enough, but just be cool to people. I, I... Um, most most people are not malicious, but we're getting close to midnight, Jason. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up. And for my part, I was supposed to read a bunch tonight, but I had to come own up for a mistake instead. So thank you guys all for coming on short notice, by the way. Appreciate it. Yeah, Anything this you want to add? Um, no, this is great. We, we had about 200 people on, on DLive and another 200 on YouTube. So that's awesome. So guys, thank you so much for everything and uh i guess we will what, what's today oh sunday sunday we'll be back again with the normal sunday live stream so there you go all right everyone have a good night be good to each other man cheers take care